0: Hello, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Rory Anderson, and I'm the Youth Director at Portland General Baptist Church. We're excited and blessed you chose to be with us today. Normally, you would not hear an introduction to the podcast, but due to the current COVID-19, coronavirus pandemic, we've had to cancel our regular worship services and move to an online format, at least for the time being. Our Sunday morning sermons will continue to be posted weekly, but we also wanted to notify you that Brother Rich Roberts' Adult Sunday School class is now posted online, and soon My Youth Lessons will also be posted. You can find all of these sermons and lessons in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. N-D-G-B-C dot O-R-G All of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. The Gospel of Matthew tells a story in which Jesus rides into town on what we know as Palm Sunday. The crowd was excited as they welcomed and acknowledged their king, the same crowd who later shouted for his crucifixion. What would you have done if you were in that crowd? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 verse 8 as Brother Larry Treadway preaches on The Crowd at Palm Sunday.
1: Okay, once again, I'm recording the sermons on CD. Uh, It's also available on the internet. Recording it a little bit earlier this week. This is Tuesday morning. Most of you will be listing this on Saturday or Sunday, hopefully, as we get toward the Sunday worship time, Palm Sunday, uh, you know, we were originally going to have leadership. We decided we could have a parking lot service beginning Sunday. And we'd have a, a stand set up to preach and piano to sing. And we would sing and preach and worship, and people would surround in their cars and stay in their cars and listen to the service. But since Governor Lee has issued the Safer at Home Order, uh, I just feel like we may be uh, not obeying His order, which is law, and I, I don't like to disobey God's, you know, man's law or God's law. I think God gives us enough wisdom to know whether or not it's violating the word or not. Uh, So we decided not to do that. So we're just going like we normally do, passing out the CDs of the sermon and the lessons to folks who do not have internet, putting them on internet otherwise for folks to listen to. The PowerPoint will be on there as well. So uh, let's just pray and ask God's blessing. Okay, we need God's move in this time. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you, dear Lord, for your safety and your concern. Our church family as a whole is pretty well healthy. Uh, We've got different ages, uh, but still we're healthy. We thank you for that. But Lord, the world, we see more numbers escalating daily on how many folks have actually uh, tested positive of this virus and how many have died and numbers are just growing by leaps and bounds. And uh, Lord, as we look at that, we pray for deliverance. Uh, just like the nation of Israel prayed for deliverance from the bondage of the Egyptians, we're praying for deliverance from a different enemy, one that we cannot see, and that's this coronavirus. So Lord, we ask, the Lord, that we use safe and wisdom to keep ourselves healthy and those around us and Lord if you would just intervene to help get a cure and to stop this from overtaking our world because you are the one in control and we know that and we have to look towards you for this cure in the name of Jesus we pray amen okay take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21 Matthew chapter 21 from verses 8 to 11. So uh, as you get there, we're going to look at the topic about the crowds that were present on Palm Sunday. So that's from Matthew 21 verses 8 through 11. Let's start with verse number 8. "...and a very great multitude," your Bible may say crowd, "...spread their garments in the way." Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before them and that followed cried saying, Hosanna the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved with him saying, Who is this? And the multitude said... This is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Now, let me begin by dissecting a little bit of this passage. Noting the word multitude or crowd, whichever it is in your Bible, okay? Uh, Verse number 8 says, A very large multitude or a very large crowd. So people lined the streets entering into Jerusalem. They were spreading olive leaves along the roadway. In front of Jesus as he entered the city on the back of a donkey that his disciples had went out and found for him. Now also in verse number 8 it says they cut down and they laid palm branches in the way. Now not only did they line the street with people as they entered into Jerusalem. The people lined the street or the pathway with these palm branches in front of the entrance of Jesus. Now the palm branches signified as a sign of victory and honor. We find it in, by King Solomon in the Old Testament as he carved palm leaf pictures into the walls and the doors of the temple of God. Then we see it in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, in the tribulation period, how that people are raising their palm branches to honor Jesus in victory. Here, they're honoring Jesus as the coming king of Israel. Now, I say the coming king of Israel because they thought he was the hope that would be the one to deliver them from the Roman Empire because they were... A providence of Rome. They were under control of the Rome. They wanted to be independent. So they had hoped Jesus was going to be the coming king that would deliver them from Roman influence. That's what they wanted. They didn't seem to want a savior. They didn't seem to want a lord. They seemed to just want a king for deliverance of their particular problem at that time. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Verse number 9 says, The crowds went before him and followed him. Now, they were crying, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, as the son of David, you get an influence. They know he's Messiah, the promised one, as prophesied as a descendant of the king of David. And they go on to cry out, Blessed be the one coming in the name of the Lord, meaning one sent by God as his representative. Uh, Now, they get to verse number 10, and a question comes up. Who is this? Now, they're celebrating him, they're worshiping him, they're excited about him. The anticipation's in the air. That verse says, all the city was moved. Now, to me, that just shows that people can honor someone they don't know what they're honoring him for. They can worship something or someone they don't know who they're worshiping. And that, that, that's pretty well today. Some people just worship for worship's sake. Uh, we see that happening a lot. I know uh, when I was pastor at White House Church, uh, our youth pastor wanted to have a youth service on Friday night with a rock gospel band that he'd become familiar with. said they were good Christian folks. So on a Friday night, uh, there was we had a concert at the church, and our youth invited some other youth, and they lined up the front rows of the church, and the band kicked in. The music kicked in real loud. The kids immediately jumped to their seat. They began jumping. Jumping up and down, raising their arms, and just having an unbelievably good time. And it come on Sunday, and the youth pastor said, Boy, didn't our youth really worship on Sunday? Friday night I said well they worshiped on Friday night, but I'm not sure they knew what they were worshiping Because the music was so loud. You could not understand or hear the words and the words are the words about Jesus the one We are supposed to be worshiping So I'm not sure they weren't just worshiping for the sake of the music that excited them It happens even sometime today in churches, you know, and we get to verse number 11 and we see that a large number of the crowd said, this is Jesus the prophet. Do not say, hey, he's Messiah, he's the Lord, he's the Son of God, he's the Savior. None of that came up. They just said, hey, look, he's a prophet, he's a preacher, he's one to bring a message from God. It's kind of like saying he's a good moral teacher, but he's not God. He's a good moral teacher, but he's not the Lord And that happens today. People today kind of worship him as a good moral teacher. Not really claiming him as the son of God and the savior. And he's got to be the son of God. And he's got to be the savior. And he's got to be the Lord. If he is not, he is a liar. And a liar cannot be a good moral teacher. He is the very promised son of God. So we see how many people get excited by a crowd at ball games in Knoxville on Sunday. There are usually over 100,000 people excited with anticipation of a ball game. Uh, At special events like concerts, sometimes they have to add more dates for concerts because the crowds get so large that people are just excited about the one that is bringing the concert. Uh, At Halltown, when I was youth pastor over there, the large number of the youth, they were kind of excited because the numbers was large, and people said, boy, y'all must be teaching them something good over at Halltown. I said, no, I don't believe so. I kind of found out that kids come where kids are because kids want to be where other kids are. And it's the same thing in churches as well. Churches' spirits kind of rise when the attendance is big on a big day. And I've had them come to me and say, Oh, preacher wasn't excited to see the church full Sunday. Wasn't excited to see the crowd there on Sunday. I said, Yeah, but it would have been better if we were excited about the message of Jesus and worshiped him. So crowds tend to want to go wherever the action is, wherever people is, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reason. sometimes just for the sake of the crowd. We run down the streets to see the effects of a tornado just because we want to see the ruins. Uh, you know, we run down uh, uh, where there's riots in the streets of big cities just to see what kind of damage they've done, you know. Uh, so sometimes it's just for the wrong reasons. But here, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. It's a special time. It is Palm Sunday. It is the Sunday leading into Passover week, one week of celebrating the time when God delivered uh the Egypts out of the slavery of the bondage of of egypt and 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 it was it was a great time to celebrate the deliverance. What well, is still a great time here? because the deliverers come, but they don't quite recognize him as that. Uh, So crowds came to Jerusalem at this Passover celebration. One source said there are probably hundreds of thousands that show up. Jewish pilgrims from all surrounding countries coming together. So the crowds were there. And some wanted to see Jesus because of the miracles he performed. They wanted to see the show. Some come to church for that reason as well. They just want to see the show uh, you know, even King Herod, when Jesus was taken before him in the trial, he said, well, Jesus, do some sort of miracle for us. Do some sort of magic. Entertain me. And that wasn't what Jesus came to do. And some even come to Jesus because he fed them. I mean, he fed the multitudes, broke the fish and the bread and fed thousands. Uh, you know, they just wanted him seeing see him for what they could get from him. Still holds true today. I mean, excitement sometimes happened because it's just curiosity or it's it's something somebody wants i, I think back to 911 in 2001 when people came for uh seeking god's help when the problem uh of the attack uh, of the uh, violence that occurred at the at the trade center and in washington to pentagon and as soon as the trouble passed people returned back to their houses they showed up at the house of god for a couple of weeks, and then it left their mind, and they didn't come anymore. So that's the way crowds react sometimes. So let's let's take a look at the crowds. I want to look at three particular types of crowds. The first is the crowd of popularity. They come together to celebrate a hero. Why? Because Jesus was popular. They thought he was going to be a hero. Uh, they wanted, you know, him to be a hero. They wanted uh, to be there to see him do his thing, they might think. I mean, it was just a popular place to be, and I'm sure when some begin to throw palm branches, other people say, well, let's do that too, and they run out, and they got palm branches, and they threw them down, and, and then we get to that verse number 10 when they say, who is this? It's interesting that they're throwing palm branches and joining in in praises to this man. They don't even, some of them don't even know who he is, so they're there for selfish reason because maybe he'll do something for us. Maybe some of them were experiencing trouble or pain. Uh, maybe some of them were, were just there for obligation. It's where they normally are on Passover. Same thing happens today. Some people come to church just because they're experiencing pain and problems. Some people come because they it's an obligation. Their parents or their spouses or friends expect them to be there. So are you a part of the crowd of popularity? You know, uh, do you come just because you're expected to be there? Are you just... At church at times just because it's habit or it's that time of year do you come for selfish reason because your boyfriend's there or you want to be better you want God to take away this virus Uh, or do you follow Jesus only when it's popular do you even know who Jesus is, you know? Uh, an example is on our jobs and when we're out in public, do do people know who we stand for? Do they know we're a Christian? Do they know we're personally acquainted with Jesus? I think back years ago when I was deacon at a church and our pastor was going to be gone, and he said, I uh, want one of you deacons to fill the pulpit while well, I'm gone on that particular Sunday. And I said, well, there's a pastor, a preacher I know who used to pastor that works at a particular place I go and, 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 and do business with. And he is of the same belief we are. And I told him who he was. I said, you familiar with him? He said, yeah. I said, would well, you mind if I happen to invite him to come preach? He said, no, come right ahead. And that particular Sunday, the man got up to preach an absolutely wonderful sermon. He looked back and said, well, I sure do thank Brother Larry for inviting me today. I did not even know he was a Christian. Oh, did my spirit sink there. You know, was I just in the crowd of popularity? Uh, did people actually even know who I stood for? You know. So that's the first crowd. The second crowd is the angry crowd. Many hopes Jesus would just leave him alone, you know. Uh that he it's good for him to come, but I want him to keep his distance or I want him to keep his mouth shut and not say anything about us to mind his own business. Same today. People come to church and say, well, I, I come to feel good. I, I, I want him to keep his distance from me. I don't want to worry about him being in my life through the week, just Sunday. Uh, I, I want him to keep his mouth shut. I don't want him to say anything offensive to me. I want him just to mind his own business and just bless me all that he can, you know. And many of them, you know, this angry crowd, saw Jesus as troublemakers. He upset their lifestyle, especially the religious people. Man, uh, you know, he was not. Celebrating religious rituals, he was wanting a a religious lifestyle change. He required a different lifestyle, so they were upset over that. You know, he was upsetting their apple cart. Many are angry today just because others are angry. You know, in about four or five days, they're going to stand out by the thousands, crying out to crucify this man that they just celebrated coming into Jerusalem. So they're going. Some will turn at the sign of trouble. Uh, and, and, you know, I think about a story I read about the end of World War II when the Nazi power had fell. The American authorities, in an attempt for the, to help the German people understand what had happened, they distributed a questionnaire and they asked 150 Germans uh, uh, to answer a series of, four, uh, of questions. One of those questions was, who do you think was, the, was responsible for the outbreak of war? They gave them four options, the German high command, the Nazi party, the German people as a whole, or the Allies. Well, this is what happened as far as the results. The German high command, 20 said they were at fault. Uh, the Nazi party, most of them, 123 said that was the problem. The German people as a whole, only one said it's our fault, and one said it was the Allies' fault. So the German people were not about to accept responsibility for the war. We do the same thing today. Many just say, I'm not personally responsible for my life to God. I turned out the way I did because of my parents. I I do what I do because of my spouse or because of my environment. So they just kind of get angry about the fact that, um, you know, they don't want Jesus to be in their lives. Are you part of the angry crowd? Now... The third crowd's the best of all. It's the faithful crowd. They were following Jesus when it wasn't even popular. Uh, They began to cry out even before the people did and spread the palm leaves. They were the ones who were there with Jesus. They gathered with him earlier that morning in Bethpage at the crossroads about two miles out of Jerusalem. Uh, They're the ones that gathered the colt that he's going to ride upon. Uh, They're the ones that will follow Jesus to his death and not abandon him. They're the ones who's been obedient to Jesus all along and even followed him, as I said, when it wasn't even popular, even when people are out to kill him. Now, they were with him, many of them were with him in the garden when he was arrested. Some will watch him die, that shameful death on the cross. Others will see him alive on that Easter Sunday morning and, and celebrate his resurrections, uh, but... They made up a small small gathering in the upper room. They were not the large crowd on the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, they, they're, they're a minority. They're not in the majority. And, folks, if we worship God the way we ought to worship Him and we're faithful to Him, we may not be in the majority, but we will be pleasing to God and we will be faithful to God. So, um, you know, I'm just asking you, are you part of the faithful crowd? Today, the faithful crowd are the ones that pray and prepare their hearts uh, for the Lord's service, not only on Sunday, but throughout every day of the week. They don't wait on others to serve God. They don't wait on others to worship. They worship in their heart and they serve God individually. They don't depend upon others. I'll go visit when somebody else goes visits. I, I'll say amen if somebody else says amen. I, I, I'll pray when somebody else prays. No, they were not dependent upon others. They worship no matter what anyone else thought, said or even done. They were unashamedly believers and followers of Jesus. And they left their place to serve, putting God and others first. They were not ashamed. As Paul said in Romans 1, 16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first, and also to the Gentiles. Folks, in Jesus' day in that first century church, people were losing their life, right and left they were getting persecuted they were getting arrested and they were not ashamed for the Jesus that they served and they were the part of that faithful crowd to Jesus and we come today and I ask you are you part of that faithful crowd as well that will serve Jesus and honor him no matter what comes your way even if it's a coronavirus even if it's, if it's unemployment even if it's a downside on the economy even if you happen to experience some sickness whatever it might be are you willing to follow him and to be part of that faithful crowd. I pray you are. I pray I will be. Let me share with you a, a reading I got many years ago. It says, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I am finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth needs, and colorless dreams, time tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity position, promotions, plentance, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by his presence, learn by faith, love my patience, live by prayer, and labor by power. My face has been set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity, nor negotiate at the table of the enemy, nor ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus. I won't give up, shut up, let go, slow up, until I've preached up, prayed up, Paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I must go till He come, give till I drop, preach till I know, work till He stops. And when He comes to get His own, He'll not be any have any problems recognizing me because my colors will be clear. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Hallelujah. Praise God. I hope that's true. If it is, you have a home awaiting you in heaven with plenty of rewards. There's a story I heard about a doctor over in Mexico. His name was Dr. Brackett. I don't even remember reading his first name. Now he was dedicated to his calling in this small town. He went out in the middle night to wait on people who were sick. He served the poor. He didn't care if he was paid. And everyone knew him all around for miles. Now his office was on Main Street, it was on the second floor over a small clothing store. He never married, he meant to, he did fall in love, but on his wedding day, he was called out on a complicated childbirth. So his future wife just gave up on him for abandoning her for his call. So she called it quits and walked away. Well after 40 years in that town, he died at the age of 70. People wanted a fitting memorial stone to honor his life. Now, they debated over what would be proper. One came up with a fitting stone, and they all seemed to agree. They put a brass brass plate downstairs on the front of the downtown shop on Main Street that read this, Dr. Brackett, office upstairs. Praise God. He moved on up, didn't he? Each of us, when we accept Christ as our Savior, when we live for him, uh, our office will be upstairs. Wouldn't it be nice if a sign on my particular tombstone would say, Larry Treadway, occupancy upstairs. I hope that's what you think as well. If you're part of the faithful crowd, you can understand that message. Now, here's your take home for this message if you're ready. Listen, I want to give you a few points that you need to remember, okay? Number one is you need to allow Jesus to ride into your heart and life. Just like on this day he rode in the city of Jerusalem on a colt. Let him ride, ride into your heart with the spirit of his word, the truth of his word. Accept him as savior of your life. Um, it'll be something you can be excited about. It, it'll be something you might even have a weeping eye about. And, you'll, you will know, you will have to respond, though, in repentance of your sins. When he rides into your heart, you've got to surrender to him. You've got to give yourself to him. To so, God, I'm sorry. Our Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. And I know you paid that debt for my sin. You're the Lord and Savior for the world. I want you to be the Lord and Savior for me individually. Come into my heart and save me. Thank you for doing what you said you would do in saving my soul and writing my name down in heaven. Hallelujah. And so, first, allow Jesus to ride into your heart and life. Secondly, you need to respond in repentance for your sin. And then you need to have that faith believing, understanding and believing that without a shadow of a doubt, you can know that you have eternal life because you have asked him into your heart. For whosoever will that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you can be part of that faithful crowd who follows Jesus. So let him ride right into your heart and life. Uh, respond to him in repentance for your sin, accept him by faith, believing he is the Savior and Lord of your life, then you can be part of that faithful crowd who follows Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I I pray that the message today has spoken to your heart, uh, that something was said there that uh, will enlighten your week, will bless you, and a lot, I hope, was said that will honor God. If you get a chance, share this with your neighbors and friends. Tell them to get online at www.portlandgbc.org and listen to the sermons and the lessons that are put on there by Dr. Rich, by Rich and, and see them and hear them and, and just be blessed. And remember, if you need me for prayer, if you need me to talk to you, you just call me. I will show up at your door. I'll stand outside that door. I'll have prayer with you. I'll discuss the issues. Whatever you want. I won't come in due to the mandate and the health issue. I wouldn't want to take anything to you, and I wouldn't want you to take any give anything to me. So I'll be there for you at a distance and I'll try to take care of whatever needs you have in your life. So just let us know. Call us. Uh, my number is listed, you know, on the website. It's listed in the bulletin, but I want to give it to you today, six one five. 210-5735. Most of you have the church registry. You've got that, but it's 615-210-5735. Till we get a chance to get together next, either online or in this c- on the CD or in person. I pray that God will bless you and take care of your every need in the name of Jesus. Amen.